Yeah, God is good. And all the time. Great. Some Africans in the house. Hallelujah. Um, it was great what Matt was sharing earlier on, wasn't it? And uh, if you want to hear that more unpacked, uh, Tony Miller did a phenomenal uh, speak at the one event around that whole subject and passage of uh, Peter and Jesus walking on water. Absolutely brilliant. And thanks, Matt, for bringing that again this morning and reminding us, because uh, I feel like a little bit stepping out the boat this morning as well. And uh, by God's grace, hopefully, we will uh, see God intervene. Um, The subject that I feel the Lord's laid upon my heart is all about words. And I know that um, Hugh has asked me and he said, oh, we're going into a new, new topic and hopefully not to pinch anybody's uh, thunder, Dave, who's speaking next week. Um, he said it's all about wisdom and we're going to look at wisdom. And, um, and I thought, you know what, that doesn't really quite connect what I feel with God's got on my heart in one sense. And I spoke to Hugh and he said, doesn't matter, just go with what you want to go with. And uh, so I'm going to go do that with his permission. But it does link in to wisdom uh, in a way. And um, I've been listening a lot, and I'm sure you've been listening a lot, a lot about words. There's a lot of words at the moment, isn't there, in this nation? There's a lot of words. There's a lot of blustering and um, promises being made and people saying a lot of things and grandiose this and grandiose that. And we know it's all to do with politics and Brexit and a whole range of other things. Um, but I began to sense God begin to lay something on my heart around words and, and language. And it was interesting how June was sharing and she was saying that her brother was speaking out words of negativity that were bringing captivity to their family. And Kirsten's good at doing that as well. You know, I'll say something and she goes, cut that off in Jesus' name. And I go, what? She goes, you're just speaking a curse out. And I go, did I really? And sometimes it just naturally flows from our, our lips, doesn't it? We just don't engage brain before we engage mouth. And we can speak a lot of words. And sometimes when we reflect on those words, we realise that actually they're not truthful, they're not wholesome, they're not God-based and God-centred. And Proverbs 21:23 says this, He who guards his mouth and tongue keeps himself from calamity. Isn't that wisdom? Isn't that wisdom? And James 3 verse 5 says, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Often those boasts it can't actually underpin and it can't actually support. And I began to consider this whole aspect of words and and I came across something on Facebook that said, why is English so hard to learn? And I began to look at this question and did you realise that in the French language there's about 100,000 words? So all of us who struggled with French O-level and GCSE, we only had 100,000 words to learn. If you were learning Russian, you've got 200,000 words to learn. If you're learning Italian, you've got 270,000 words to learn. But if you're learning English, you've got at least 470,000 words to learn. Incredible. And yet, our language is so limited so often. And yet, I came across this. just indicates how difficult English can be sometimes. The wind was too strong to wind the sail around the mast. Wind and wind, same word different context. There was a row among the oarsmen about who would row. Row and row. 
same word, different context. Upon seeing the tear in her painting, she shed a tear. Tear and tear, same word, different context. The soldier decided to desert his tasty dessert in the desert. And there's a whole load more. That's 20 or so on this thing I found in Facebook. But it got me thinking that, you know, words in context can mean one thing, but put them in a different context can mean something else. And I've got a real sense today that God wants us to move from the context that we're in into another context. He wants us to move from one perspective of looking at something to another perspective, his perspective on something. The circumstances might not change, the word doesn't change, but the context within which the word is used, once it changes, changes everything. And and that's where I want to go today. On top of all of those differences of words, the English language has got 12 tenses. And I'm not going to go through them all today, but I'm going to use this as a basis of what I'm saying. And some of the tenses we're familiar with, we're familiar, aren't we, with the present tense, the right here and now. You know, and I've got a real sense as I began to look at this, I felt the Lord say to me that it, there are people who live life in the present tense. That's where they live it. They, ha- they are like the Nike generation. Just do it. They don't consider the consequences. They don't consider any planning, any preparation, any, any impact. They just go, oh, well, what, whatever. Just do it. Let's just get on. Let's just do it. Okay, sarah, sarah. Whatever will be, will be. But we're just going to enjoy the moment. We're going to live in the moment. We're going to receive the moment. We're going to live right for now. We're going to just squeeze life to the maximum so that we can get the most enjoyment out of this very moment that we're in. And it matters not about the past or the future. What's really important is now. And within that, there's a lack of planning, there's a lack of preparation, there's a lack of coordination, there's a lack of thinking. And... You know, I know one or two people like that. They just live for the now. And sometimes I look at their life and go, oh, I wish I could be like you. But I tell you, the Lord said to me that if you live in the present, if you constantly live in the present, it's not good for you. It's harmful. But you might say, oh, well, the Bible says, you know, Luke 12, 19, take life easy. Eat, drink and be merry. Isaiah 22, let's eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Whoa, live for now. Biblically, we can live in the present. And yes, we can, and yes, we should, and yes, we are, right here and now in the present. But if our whole life is built on living in the present, living in the here and now, we're missing out on what God wants to be and to do and to have in our lives. So we can live in the present. Some of us, I think, live in the past. Any Man United fans in the... (laughs) Me? We're kind of living a little bit in the past at times, aren't we, Martin? Back in the day, when Sir Alex was in charge, oh, the trophies were rolling in, the praise was rolling in, the accolades was rolling in. Oh, awesome. Why can't we be back there? Why can't we have that back for our football team? And sometimes it's like that with us. We look back on what was. We look back and we say, oh, well, some of us do. 
some of the younger people, quite not there yet. Get to that point, don't you, where you go, in the good old days, in the good old days, looking back and we're going, in those days there, which basically means I don't like where I am now, I'm not quite sure what's in the future, but you know what, I want to go back to the old, I want to live back there, because when I was back there, this was good, that was good, that was brilliant, that was amazing, and we look back with rose-tinted spectacles, don't we, because we forget about the rubbish, we forget about the trials, we forget about the struggles, and we say, back in the day, in the good old days, I want to go back there. We live in distorted glories. We, we live in the, if only we were doing that now, that what we did before. And we see that in Scripture, don't we? The, um, the Israelites had been brought miraculously out of Egypt. They had been resurrected from the slavery that they were in. And they were marching to the promised land. And there's a point in Scripture where the Israelites come to Moses and to Aaron. And they go, do you know what? Back in the good old days in Egypt, we had leeks. We had cucumbers, we had garlic, we had meat, we had this, we had that. We... And now, in this desert, all we blinking well got is this manna that, and this quail that comes in. Well, I want to go back to the good old days. And they forgot that in Egypt they were an oppressed, slaved people. There are times when it's good to look back. There are times when we should be looking back. 1 Samuel 7 verse 12, he talks about setting up a pillar of stone in Ebenezer. And he said, the prophet said to the people, whenever you see this pillar of stone, say to the generations to come, this is a reminder of how God delivered you, how God rescued you, how God brought you out of slavery, how God brought you into the promised lands. And the feasts were established over the generations, the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Purim, the Feast of Tabernacles. In our modern day, we look back and we celebrate the Feast of Easter and the Feast of Christmas. And it's fine to look back to the times when we remember Jesus being born, Jesus being crucified and rising from the dead. There is an opportunity to look back. But if we live in the past, if we base all our hopes, all our dreams, all our living, all of our very being back there in the past, we're missing out on what God's got for us now and what God's got for us in the future. It can be harmful. At times we need to look back, but we need to keep a focus on what's ahead. Which brings us to the next tense. We've got people who live in the present. We've got people who live in the past. But there are also people who live in the future. They live in the future. They're living for tomorrow. Any Liverpool fans? There's one or two. I've got two brother-in-laws who both support Liverpool. Every season, this year is our season. 20-odd years they've been saying to me, this year is our season. This year. And they were living in the future. They were hoping with expectation that this year, the future, was going to be their season. They're going to win the Premier League. Bring it down into context for us. You know, maybe we say, when I get, then I will. Or when I become, then I will. 
Some of us might say, oh, when, when this finishes or when this starts, then I will serve God more. When I get married, oh, then, 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 then I can serve God because two of us are together. And the Bible says that the return on two is far better than the return on one. So when I get married, I'll do greater things for God. But you're not married yet. So you don't do anything for God because it's all based on the future. Or maybe you'll say, oh, when, when you've got children, you know, when the children go to school, they're too little at the moment, they're all toddlers, they're, they're keeping me restricted because I can't do what I feel God wants me to do. When the children go to school, then I will be able to serve God. The trouble is when the children get to school, you say, when the children leave school, then I'll serve God because your life moves into a new phase, into a new dimension, and you're constantly living in the future, you're constantly living beyond where you are now. It's a fantastic film. Anybody seen the Adam Sandler film, Fast Forward? For those who haven't seen it, he plays a character who goes into a store to buy a new TV remote control. And what he doesn't realize at the time is that this person who sells him the remote control is a personification of the devil. And he gives him this control and it doesn't do his TV, it works his life. And he says to him, whenever you get to the boring bits of life, just press fast forward and you'll skip it and go on to something that you're expecting and you're waiting for. And the whole film unfolds where he basically skips various bits and then the remote remembers what he doesn't like, so he skips that for him. And before he realises it, he's an old man and he's looking back and he's going, where's my life gone? Because he was always living in the future. When I get my promotion, we will do this. When I get a new house, we will do this. When I get... Um, uh, um, and a, a different education, we will do this. And he, and he missed his life because it was all on fast forward. He was living on the never, never. He was living in the future. He was never enjoying where he is. And at the end of his life, he looks back and he regrets in his heart that he's missed out on so much because he never actually achieved anything. Some of us can live like that. Some of us can live constantly in the future and we will never attain what God's got for us because we're always living for the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And don't get me wrong, there are times when we should be looking to the future and should be planning and making our plans, but we say, Lord, here are my plans, guide my steps. So people live in the present, people live in the past tense, people live in the future tense. Now this is where we get a little bit English language tense. If you remember back to your days at school, there was the imperfect tense. Some people, I feel, live in the imperfect tense, here and now. They're living in the, well, that's wrong. That's not right. Don't like that. That's incorrect. They're critical of things. They're critical of things in the here and now. They're critical of things in the past. They're critical of things that are even coming in the future. Well, I don't like that vision. That's going to be wrong. That's not going to work. And they've got a whole reason why it won't work. And they're critical. Nothing ever right. No one's ever good enough. You can have the attitude of it's your way or the highway, but your way is not right because then you get self-critical. And you go, well, I will never be like Andy or Pete in leading worship. So do you know what? I'm not going to even bother trying to worship and develop my gift. I can never preach like Dave or Hugh, so what's the point? I'm never going to learn how to put a sermon together. I'm not going to construct it. 
I can't pray like KJ or Howard. So what's the point? Let them do the praying. You know, so I'm not going to even try. And you see your imperfections and you see the things that are wrong with you and you live in that imperfect world and you live in that imperfect tense and you say, do you know what? I'm not even going to bother. It's right to learn from other people, but it's wrong to want to be the same as other people. God has made you you. And if you're saying, I'm not going to try that, I'm not going to use that, I'm not going to be that, I'm not going to give that a go, I'm not going to express the giftings or explore the giftings that's within me because you're self-critical, you're self-deprecating, you're pulling yourself down all the time and you're saying, well, basically, God, you've made a mistake, you've got it wrong because you've made me wrong. Never allow imperfections to stop you from trying. There's a story of Thomas Edison, the guy who invented these light bulbs that we use all day, every day. When I was talking to him, I said, Mr. Edison, how many times did it take you to try before you got the light bulb? He said, it took 1,000 attempts before I got the light bulb to work. And I said, Mr. Edison, why keep going? He said, because it was 999 steps to success. It wasn't 999 failures. He had the same words, different perspective. So we've got the present, we've got the past, we've got the future, we've got the imperfect. What about the present perfect? Ooh. Don't remember that one from school. It's in there. The present perfect is a past event with present consequences, either good or bad. And people can live in that, can't they? We can, we can look back, and I look back over my life, and I, I look back sometimes with regret, and I say, God, I recognize my sinfulness, I recognize the choices I made there, and I'm really, truly sorry for them, and I know you've forgiven me for them, and I know that you've washed them away, but do you know what? I'm still living with the consequence of that choice. I'm still living with the outcome of that decision that I made. I'm still living with, and that's the present perfect. It's the past with a present consequence. And I see that in my workplace. You know, I work for mental health and uh, I see a lot of people coming through our doors. And when you actually sit down and you talk to them, what's happened is something's gone on in the past, be it drug abuse, be it physical abuse, be it sexual abuse. Something has happened in their past that has affected them, that they're living within the here and now. And they can't break free of it. They can't get away from it. They constantly look back and they're held in a prison by it. And maybe some people here today are being held in a prison with what they did in the past. Even though they know God's forgiven them, God's worked and changed that, but they're still locked in and living with the consequences of that decision that they've made. And it's a constant reminder. And when you start to move forward for God, the devil comes alongside and he goes, do you remember what you did then? How can God use you? How can God bless you? How, look, just remember the sinfulness you are, the stuff you've got wrong. And the devil just whispers and whispers and you go, do you know what, you're right. I know I'm forgiven, but yeah, I can't. I can't break, I can't move on. And you kept in that perfect present tense. Maybe it's the, well, I've prayed about that and it didn't work. 
You know, I prayed, I fasted, I sought God's face, and God didn't answer my prayers. So, do you know what? I'm not going to pray anymore because I, I don't believe it any further. Maybe you shared your faith with somebody and got knocked back and got a bit laughed at and a bit reviled, and, and you think, well, do you know what? That's the way it's going to be. Do you know what? I'll just keep a personal face with God, and the rest of them, someone else could do that. You kept locked in because God wants you to pray and seek his face and know his answers to prayer. He also wants you to share the love that he's put within you and the blessings he's put within you and to break out to the left and to the right and touch a world that's in need and in pain. But we can get caught up in the present perfect. There's a story in 2 Kings chapter 4 of a, a Shunammite lady and the prophet prays for her and she has a son. And there's a situation in that life where the son complains to his father and says, I've got a bit of a headache, Dad. The dad says, well, go home, see your mum. Mum puts him to bed and he dies. And the woman comes out of the son's um, room and everyone says to her, is everything okay? And she goes, yep, it's fine. All is well. Even her husband says, how's the son? Oh, it's okay. And she goes and finds the prophet, and even the prophet says to her, how is your son? And she goes, it's, it'll be fine, it's good, all is well. And prophet's servant says, actually, her son's dead. And the prophet then speaks to her and shares something, and then the story unfolds that actually the prophet uh, goes and resurrects the son from the dead. And I was concentrating on this and thinking, how does this fit into the tenses? And then I felt the God say to me, do you know, she was living in the present continuous. She was living in the present continuous. You know, we have a God who is the God of the present, the God of the past, and God of the future. But he doesn't dwell only in the present. He doesn't dwell only in the past. He doesn't dwell only in the future. He is constantly present in all three. He is constantly in all three. It's not like he lives in a box, even though God says at times, I have forgiven you. I have healed you. Or I do forgive you, I do heal you, or I will forgive you, I will heal you. God lives in this present continuous where he goes, yes, I've done it in the past, I can do it now, and I will do it in the future. But through it all, I am forgiving you. I am healing you. I am restoring you. I am leading you. I am. Um, it's ongoing and we know don't we that God lives outside of time and yes he says I'm a God of the past I'm a God of the present I'm a God of the future but because he lives outside of time he is present he is continuous he is through it all and we've got a, a tense in the English language that's the present continuous tense I am being forgiven. I am being healed. I am being loved. I am being restored. I am Abiding, I am being provided for. I am being guided. Constantly, constantly, constantly. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone's in Christ, they are a new creation. If we are in Christ, we are there called to live in the present continuous. That's where Jesus is. He's outside the time. For he is God. 
He's in the present continuous. So the challenge to you and I today is, are we living in the present, the past, the future, the imperfect, the present perfect? And sometimes there's nothing wrong with that. But there are times when actually God says, no, you're being held in by the tents that you're living in. And now is the time to move into my tents. I want you to move into my present continuous. I want you to break out and break in to where I am and where I reside. And we need wisdom to know the difference. We need wisdom to know when to look back with rejoicing, but to look forward to purpose and to bring that into the present. But we need to have a wisdom to know when to live in God's continual presence. You know, many of you know Ian and Sharon at the moment, and we need to stand with them that in the present continuous, God is healing him. We don't necessarily see it right now. We know that he's done it in the past because we've done it twice before, and we're believing that he'll do it in the future. But we need to stand in there. God is healing him right here, right now, and he will be healing him into the future. But how do we do that? Psalm 91 says, live under the shadow of his wing." And dwell in his presence. And if we're living in his presence, dwelling under his wing, under his shadow, then we're in his courts. And when we live in his presence and in his courts, we are living outside of time in essence because God is outside of time. And when we're connecting in with God, we connect into the present continuous. And we don't live in the past, present, future, imperfect and so on. Ephesians 5.18 says this, be filled. The actual word itself says be being filled. Constant, present, continuous. Allow the Spirit of God to fill you, to fill you, to fill you, to fill you. You keep giving it away, giving it away, give away, give away, give away. God pours in, God pours in, God pours in. You give away, you give away. God pours in, God pours in. What tense are you living in today? Maybe you're stuck in the present and you're living for now, when you actually see there's a challenge on you to begin to plan for the future because God's got a plan for you, a purpose for you, a ministry for you to be involved in, and you need to start planning for it and not live in the by and by, but start to do it right here and right now. Stop using excuses of the future that when I get or when I become or when I receive or whatever, that you'll then start doing it because you never will. Maybe you're stuck in the past. Maybe you like to live in the good old days, you know, And it's a prison to you. You're caught up in the past. You're caught up from where you've been. You've been caught up with what you've, decisions you've done, places you've been, things you've been involved in. And it's got a hold on you. God says this day, I want to break you out of the past. I want to break you out of the present. I want to break you out of the future. I want to break you out of the imperfect. I want to break you out of the present, into the present continuous to where I am, to where I've been. could bring the worship team I just want to give opportunity this morning for people to move from the the tents what tents are you living in what tents are you living in that was the phrase that God dropped into my heart what tents are you living in 
Are you living in the right tense or are you stuck in the wrong place? Are you stuck in the wrong tense? God wants you to bring into his present continuous tense. He wants to bring you into that place where everything is unfolding and you know it. You don't know that in the past, you don't know it right momentarily now and you're not hoping for the future. There is a sense of you just living in it, continually living in it. Some people might be stuck in the past. They might have those historical things that the enemy whispers into their ear that stops you moving forward. Some people might be living in the present where they just go, do you know what, I'm living for now. Some people might be living in the future, but I've got a real sense that God says, it's not where I want you to be. It's not where I want you to be. I want you to be right with me where I am and where I am. All things are unfolding. We started with the song, Oh Happy Day, and in there, there is the past, the present, and the future. And when we start to live in God's presence, continuous tense, it is a happy day. Because it doesn't matter how much of a mess we've made of the past, it doesn't matter how chaotic our present might be. It doesn't matter how worried we are of the future. We just know that we know that we know that God is with us in it all. God will walk with us through it. And whatever we need at that moment in time, God already is providing for us, residing in us, restoring us, blessing us, helping us, healing us, moving us forward. But some of us need to have that shift. Is it the wind or is it the wind? Is it the tear or is it the tear? Is it the desert or is it the desert? Same word, different context. And I've got a real sense today that God wants to move some people's context. Because when he moves your context, then you will go into a new um, sphere, an elevated sphere of his blessing, his favor, his productivity. And this morning, we just want to pray for anybody who wants to move tense and see that breakthrough and to live in God's presence continuous tense so as Pete and the band's worship the prayer team will be around but the whole of the front is open for people to make that response and say God I want to move from the tense that I've been living in the tense that isn't necessarily the place that you're blessing me favoring me and helping me but I want to move into your tense into your present continuous if that's you this morning then God is here to move you on and bring you in thanks Peter